2: so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Get in zone,
0: AutoZone.
3: Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Ah, starting trouble. No one likes that. We'll get you set up for some stronger starts. You might just need a fresh charge, and we'll take care of that free of charge. But if it is time for a new battery, we've got replacement batteries that'll fit your needs, starting at just $69.99. You can learn more about our battery selection at AutoZone.com. That's what makes us America's number one battery destination.
2: Get
4: in zone, Claim based on data from the NPD Group 2021.
2: Whether taking a road trip to the beach, heading to the mountains, or driving to the city, summer adventures are nonstop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer and start your summer adventures today. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. This is the post-match show of Fulham's nil-nil draw with Newcastle United. Joining me right now is Giannis Janaeus and Craig Coben. Max Cohen should also be joining us shortly. We have a lot to talk about in this nil-nil draw, but before I do anything, I have to welcome both of my co-hosts back to the show first, Mr. Janaeus in Canada. How are you doing, my friend? You ready to talk about this some more?
4: I certainly am, and I'm relieved that my Christmas shopping was done in 11 minutes yesterday.
2: <laughs> That's great. I'm assuming online.
4: <laughs> no, I just went to one store, but don't tell the missus.
2: <laughs> okay, very good there, my friend. <laughs> well, w-
4: good,
2: <laughs> Well, listen, it's always great to get Craig back on the line. He's calling in from London, but he was at the match. Craig, how are you doing? Hi, Russ. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I'm glad to
3: be back in London.
2: (laughs) Well, listen, why don't I start with you and get your overall view of this match? You were there. You were just telling us uh, offline. And uh, I know this because I know where they sit you. You're so far away at St. James's Park. But just give us just an overall view of what you watched yesterday.
3: Yeah, that's right. Uh, At St. James's Park, the visitor supporters uh, are given the nosebleed seats at uh, the north end of the stadium and so, uh, although it doesn't get you a very close view of the action, it does afford you a very good look of how the teams were set up. Um, it was quite apparent that both teams were set up with, you could say, three at the back or five at the back, right. Right, depending on how you treat the two wing backs. But both teams were set up very conservatively. It was a very congested midfield, and there weren't ever going to be a lot of opportunities on goal, very few clear cut chances, and that's exactly how the game played out. It was a very conservative game. It was a, a nil-nil draw, and frankly speaking, um, uh, it didn't come as a big surprise once you saw how the teams were set up and how the game uh, was progressing even even at the early stages.
2: Okay, very good. And, Craig, this is something that actually I was all for, for us setting up defensively, finding a way to get a clean sheet. And after you're watching this, it's pretty evident to me, and I'm sure you're going to back me up on this, that uh, Claudio Ranieri set his team up. Most importantly, to get a clean sheet and see what they can take with that clean sheet.
3: Uh, I agree with you. Look, Claudio Ranieri's priority was to stop the rot. Right. So he set us up in order to be able to get a clean sheet, and one point was going to be good enough for us, especially given how many t- how many other teams are pretty close to us near the bottom of the table. Um, It was also important to restore some confidence for the defense, given that we haven't uh, had a clean sheet so far this season. So I guess in that sense, um, it has been mission accomplished. That being said, um, as a spectator, I have to say the highlight of my day was lunch at the Bridge Tavern um, um, uh, at Newcastle with two of my children.
2: Okay, very good there, my friend. Back over to you, Giannis. We talked about this on full-time, but I want to
4: get your view a day later of this match. Well, it's 162 minutes since we've conceded a goal. And um, they say that Jesus walked on water, but this might have been a a bigger miracle a couple of of weeks (laughs) ago. Um, But we did set up. um, Absolutely right, we we set up um, defensively. Um, and I've got to give a lot of credit for the to, to the players and and the coaches here because clearly after the the game tape of the first night against West Ham, Ranieri sat down with them and said, "Look, for us to do anything in in a game like this, the last one before the you know busy Christmas period, we have to do it as a team. Everybody has to be on the same page. you have got to be disciplined. We may not win many friends from the the beauty pundits, but if we, it's got to be a functional performance, and if we can get a point." going for what is the longest journey of the season then we'll have done something pretty good and, and stopped the bleeding and we did that the players that haven't played well recently did play well um they didn't have a shot on target which target which, which i think is is tremendous um we could have won it at the end um we probably should have had a penalty so overall i think we can be fairly pleased with what happened and um we've got two massive games coming up with, with wolves and uh Huddersfield, and uh, hope we can pick up some vital points there.
2: Okay, very good. All right, great. Well, it's looks like Max has joined us. Mr. Max. Cohen, it's been about 24 hours. Yeah, I just said that to Giannis. Anything new popping
0: in your brain about this match? Well, I, I have three words to you guys, and okay. that's respect the point. <laughs> it's not okay. pretty, yeah. but it's a relegation dogfight, and you got to pick up points whenever you can. And, of course, you would have liked three, but don't want to look at this result. You know, as Giannis was just saying, it's the longest journey we're going do all season. A point is a good result, and it's about the momentum we just created. And the home matches are going to be key. Again, if we win against Wolves and Huddersfield, we're going to be in a very different conversation than we are right now. And that clean sheet, most importantly, builds a foundation for a positive uh, festive period. Absolutely. Very
2: good. Craig, I want to go back to you. This is something that I was thinking about because uh... – Again, I'm not Rafa Benitez. I don't know what he was thinking. But I just had this feeling, considering Fulham have not played this formation before, do you think potentially they were surprised a little bit about him and his players that we came out with this formation?
3: Hard to say. Look, we have played this formation before. We played it against Arsenal. The, we did. the main difference being that uh, that our wingbacks were flying up uh, the side and, and were caught out several times. Right.
2: I just meant under Ranieri we hadn't. But... So on
3: Renieri run we had and we had been playing principally a four, two, three, one. Um I, I look I don't know if I was a little surprised by the way we were set up because you, you know, even the front three, you have you have Kearney on the right side That's and right. Sherla on the left side, which means they're coming in. Whereas Mitrovic tends to benefit from crosses from the wings, and so it was always it's very difficult to see how we were going to get any width. With the way in which we were set up, um, but that being said, I don't think anyone was surprised that we were going to set up fairly conservatively um and the fact that we had three at the back or five at the back, including the wing backs yep. uh, meant that we were always going to try to maintain our shape and make it very difficult for Newcastle to break us down. I think the bigger surprise is that Newcastle played so. Conservatively and set right. up so conservatively, in effectively a 5-4-1. Uh, I mean, I know, I know um, elsewhere people describe as a 3-4-2-1, right. but they really did have five at the back. Uh, Rondón was isolated on many occasions. Um, you know, you're you're playing at home, you're playing against the worst defense in the Premiership, and yet you're setting up with effectively five at the back. I think what that tells you is that. Uh, Benitez does not have a tremendous amount of confidence in his team. Right, He I may even think the table flatters them, and his priority, like Randy Ares, is to keep his team up.
2: I totally agree with that. But what I want to do here is uh, I, I understand how they set up, and I, like I mentioned to you guys off air, I, I listened to a couple podcasts, and they were talking about how bad that uh, Newcastle United were and how they were set up conservatively just like you said. Correct, but what's interesting about this, and this is something that came out what I was listening to, they were talking about the key to this match for them was that the supply getting the ball to Rondon. We did a very good job of uh, stopping that supply to him. Wouldn't you agree? You got a good look.
3: I I think our shape throughout the match tended to be very good. It was very rare that we had players uh, who were outside who were out of position. I thought the back three did a perfectly serviceable job. Um, there were no star performers, but there were also no no howlers either. I think yeah. our shape remained uh, uh, relatively strong. And by the way, I also think that the way in which uh, our goalkeeper uh, Rico Sergio Rico, you know, marshals and organizes the back line is is pretty impressive. Um, there was a lot of physical commitment, maybe almost too much so. We could talk about the the, the two concussions or near concussions that, that we're going to talk about that in, in a, a little during bit. During I, I want to bring that up. I definitely yeah, want to talk about but, that. But, uh, but overall, look, there wasn't much service to Rondon, but then again, I don't think Newcastle really chanced very much either. I did, you know, Fulham did not have very many clean clear cut chances until the very, very end of the match with, uh, Aboukhar Kamara.
2: Okay. This is very true. All right, guys, let's get into the starting 11 and the 18 overall, and then we're going to break down all the key moments in this match. And Giannis, I'm going to start with you. What were your thoughts about an hour before the match when you saw the starting 11 and the 18?
4: Uh, well, first one was, oh, no Vieto. Um, so Shirley was back, and and I, I, he, Ranieri can only give him so many chances. Um, I thought Vieto might have got a start here. Well, but he, but he didn't, obviously. Sess was out. Yep. But the lineup looked okay. Um, it looked pretty obvious from the formation what we were going to do. Um, and I think the Newcastle fans, um, when they have a good moan about what happened yesterday, they've got to, you know, to be fair to us, we can only play against what's in front of us. And as the home team, it's incumbent, especially on. They've had a nice little run, Newcastle. So you'd think that they have the confidence. To attack with a little bit more gum, gumption, our story is well known with bottom. Um, but I did like I like the look of the lineup. Um, Adoya sort of rolled my eyes a little bit, but we're sort of hamstrung. And uh, it from what it, from the first half, you could see that they must have worked very closely on this in practice. Um, everybody seemed to be on maybe shallow apart, seemed to be on the same page, and uh, I like the discipline. And I liked a lot of the decisions that that were made on the pitch. Yep. And I think if we'd won that late, we'd probably have deserved it because we'd really snuffed out any threat that they posed. And we did look dangerous on the break. And um, I thought our substitutions were, you know, they were, in, they were attacking. And um, it was a very good overall performance. And you could see the reaction at the end of the game with, you know, a lot of the players collapsing on the field. They gave it everything yesterday. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I totally agree So that. I like the lineup and, um, you know, maybe apart from one, but Sess hopefully will be back for Wolves. Yep. Um, so you'll so. see a similar lineup, and uh, it's one that's going to be difficult to break down if we carry on playing with that discipline.
2: Okay, very good. Max, your thoughts?
0: Yeah, for me, I think the biggest thing with regards to the defense was the reinstatement of Christie. To, to the back line, and the shifting of Adoy to, to a more central position. Because that was really, the, I think, my, my major concern with how Ranieri was playing the past couple of matches was that he put Adoy on the right and took Christie out of the lineup. And we'd seen how Adoy and Mawson had, had that nice center-back partnership um, in, in the past couple of weeks, and he ca- kind of had the best of both worlds, where he had kind of the three-man center-backs, right, with uh, Reem, Mawson, and Adoy. So he added Reem, and he also had Mawson and Adoy that partnership. And he put Christy and Brian on the wings, which I thought was actually really good um, really good formation for him. And my biggest concern, though, was that, you know, Sherla in there instead of Kamara. Because I don't know how everyone else feels, but I, I don't want Sherla to start another match, honestly, and certainly not another away match. Because in a relegation dogfight, he, he's a liability. He's a passenger on the pitch. And I really struggled to think of one notable thing he did at all during the entire 90 minutes at St. James' Park. And as soon as he came off and Kamara came on, that was when we were the most dangerous. Yep. And it, it, it's no coincidence that when we had someone who was willing to run willing to put in tackles, willing to make something happen, whether that's going to be a positive thing or a negative thing, give or take it's Kamara. But he actually makes things happen, whereas Sherlock is non-existent on the pitch. He doesn't really care. He doesn't really fight for me. Um, and I, I don't want to see Sherlock in the starting lineup again.
2: Okay. Very good there. Greg, thoughts on what the guys just shared? Do you have any thoughts on what Max just mentioned about Sherlock and also what Yana what said and, and your thoughts when you saw the uh, – Eighteen and obviously the starting eleven about a, an hour before the match.
3: Well, again, I think the the particular shape we we chose was was not the surprise, but was the key feature having yep. three or five at the back. Um, it's good that Brian is, is healthy again, so we do have a proper a proper left wing, and that way, um, and that way that we don't have to have either Le Marchand or some or or, or a out on the left. Um, I did think that Sherlin Carney were probably on the wrong side, as I mentioned before, because yep. I think they should be on their, their straight-footed side. I actually don't think the setup suits Kearney particularly. I think Carney is much that. more effective in the center of the midfield. Yep. Totally agree. Um, uh, And so he struggles when he plays out wide like this. And in the four-two-three-one setup, where he's the kind of number ten, I think um, he can be a lot more effective. Or, or in the four-three-three setup that Živković yep. used to play. Where he was kind of a, the playmaking uh, midfielder um, in the midfield, you you had Sari and Chambers in the middle again. Uh, it's good to have Chambers back. I think he he seems a lot more comfortable in the midfield than when he was a defender. And also by having a strong anchor there, it gives Sari a little bit more confidence. I think Sari. Is again a, a different kind of playmaking midfield, but he struggles when he does not have a strong anchor next to him because I think when he's under pressure and his back is to the goal, um, as we've seen against Manchester City and against Chelsea, he has a propensity to lose the ball in fairly dangerous positions. So look, I think the setup made some sense. I get also was a little surprised not to see Vietto in the lineup because I yeah. do think that he runs between the lines fairly well and fairly effectively. Um, but look, we weren't—we didn't park the bus, but we weren't going to make it easy for Newcastle to get through us.
2: Okay. What are your thoughts about Max bringing up Abubakar Kamara? I think he has a role here. What What are your thoughts about Abubakar in this match?
3: Um, look, Kamara. I don't think Kamara is a particularly technically gifted player. Um, he didn't start for us um, for much for most of last season. Um, he has the benefit of being fast and being strong, and he's a very direct player. In a game like this, which I would describe as a quasi-championship scrap, he probably yep. is a useful player on the pitch. Right. Um, but uh, he's not one that will normally unlock a lot of opportunities, and as we've seen yesterday, and as we saw against West Ham, when he does have a good opportunity, he's not a particularly clinical finisher.
2: No, he isn't. There's no question about that. But you just talked about these two qualities, power and pace, basically. And I think that that is something in certain situations that he can really help foam with. And and that's why, you know, I thought about this and like, you know, it's the classic second guess. Should you have started Abubakar Kamara looking back at it? I don't know, maybe, but I thought that when he came on, he definitely uh, helped foam a decent amount. All right, guys. Let's move on. Let's get into the first half. Let's just get an overall view of the first half, and then we'll go through a couple of key moments. There really aren't that many, but there's also something that I want to talk about in the first half. So let's just go around here, and I'll start with you, Max. Just overall thoughts on the first half performance by fall.
0: We uh, we we weathered a mini storm at, at the beginning. You know, we didn't we didn't really start with any sort of ambition. We knew it was going to be trying to defend first, at, attack second, and Newcastle weren't that inspiring though. It was. It was very much a championship scrap, you know. As, as Craig said, it was not something I think would, would deem Premier League quality. Not too many clear cut chances. Not a lot of quality in the attacking third. And you know, nil nil at halftime was, was a very fair score. The biggest moment for me was when Adoy cleared that uh, that, that header, you know, um, basically off the line. It could have easily been known goal. Yep. His back was to goal, and I think that was a high de- degree of difficulty that clearance. So uh, fair play to him for for dealing with that. Um, but apart from that. You know, not not a half of many very big clear cut chances for either side. Um And just what, what I would say about Kamar is that, you know, he does have two more goals than Vieto has all season. So I know people like to, like to talk about vieto unlocking the lines. Well, he has zero end product for me in terms of finishing. And and people seem to f- forget very quickly Kamar's penalty against Old Trafford and his really nice finish against Leicester City. And uh, that's my Kamar rant <laughs> D- done for today.
2: <laughs> okay, very good. Craig, back over to you. Just your overall view of the first half. Then I'll just mention a few key moments and one particular key moment that I definitely want to talk about with the three of you. So, just your overall view of what you watched at uh, Saint James's Park.
3: Well, it, it it was not easy on the eye. That's for sure. There were <laughs> there weren't very many opportunities. No, um, I agree with Max. The um, Odwa clearance um, was probably the, the the main opportunity that either side had in the first half. Um, it was a grim, attritional affair, and there's no other way around it. Um, in fact, it's very difficult to remember very much of the first half because there were so few incidents of of, of any note. I think, you know, to Fulham's credit, even though I don't think everybody in the team played especially well, as a unit, they played pretty well and they denied a lot of opportunities. Uh, Rondon really didn't see much of the ball. And it tended to be, you know, a very bitty first half. And by the way, that pat, even though I think Newcastle changed its shape in the second half, that pattern largely continued.
2: Okay, excellent there. Over to you, Giannis, your view of the first half.
4: I loved it. Um, I, I thought it was, um, it was a war of attrition. You know, we went in with a game plan. They went in with a game plan that we didn't quite expect. Um, and it was just a midfield slog. You know, it was cat and mouse. Would calling it a chess always... match be
2: kind of what it was? Yeah. You know, it's just a stalemate? Yes, that's what it
4: was. Yeah, it was a stalemate, and I'm okay with that. I mean, to me, you know, sometimes you have to, to non-soccer lovers, they they go, boring nil-nil draws. Or... No, there's also the beauty and the tactic and the thinking of having, you know, even a goalless draw. And I thought the first half was fascinating to watch because you could see that we were so committed Defensively to get men behind the ball, to close down men, to close down space, to try and maintain possession once we got it, to try and be patient about it, and it was great to watch because you could hear that the Newcastle fans were slowly getting more and more, you know, you know, dismayed with what was going on. You could see uh, our friend Mr. Mr. Raffer on the sidelines doing his pirouettes, and um, you could see that um, as the as the game grew. We were gaining confidence because it was in that. By the end of the first half, we realized that they couldn't break us down. And as I'll say it again, no shots conceded on net in ninety minutes is is quite the feat. I can't remember the last time that's happened to us, which is which is great. Yes, it's a step in the right direction.
2: And for me, watching back that first half, it just showed commitment. showed a, a team that was. Uh, led really well by Claudio Ranieri of what to do. And he, the game plan, they actually played it out and they were difficult to break down. And that's kind of what I wanted to see. Why I actually enjoyed watching this match. I know that might sound strange to say, because there, it was a, it, it's not attractive, but I wanted to see commitment. And that's exactly yeah. what I saw. I wanted to see unity. And I saw all that. I saw a team playing together. So and I thought that's what we really saw in the first half. And, again, th- there's not a lot to really talk about in the first half. You guys were already talking about the situation with Newcastle and, and what Odoy did. But I just want to mention a couple of other things. For Fulham, you, you have the shot by Mitra on the third minute, and you have one in the 11th minute by Seri. And then later on in the first half, in the 41st minute, you have the shot by Seri from the free kick. But that was an easy save for the goalkeeper. All right, guys, what I want to talk about now – is the situation? Uh, plus,
3: I would just, I would just remember in the first half, the, 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 probably the two key moments. Yep. For me, were Mawson had two, had two concussive uh, events. I was just, about to, go oh, just about to go there. Oh,
2: sorry. Sorry, No, nope, no, nope, no problem. I was just about to mention that, Craig, because I think it's something that we need to talk about because I, I found this situation worrying. Okay, uh, I'm going to read an excerpt from an article from Football Doll London from Scott Trotter who was covering the match for Ryan O'Donovan. And uh, I'm just going to read this, and then I want to talk about the situation with Alfie Mawson because uh, I saw this, and uh, it actually really concerned me. So I'm just going to read a little bit from it. And this is what Scott Trotter wrote. The defender lay flat on the floor as Fulham's keeper immediately urged medical staff onto the pitch. It took a little while for Mawson to sit up and then get back to his feet. Surely slightly groggy, but it certainly did not look like the 25 year old wanted to leave the field for Newcastle's corner. He looked very unhappy as he walked off the pitch and gestured to the corner before returning to the pitch as soon as the whistle went. While his commitment is a positive, it was surprising to see him return to the field so quickly. Perhaps he was tested while grounded, but it felt like more rigorous concussion tests would be in place for what seemed like it could be quite serious at one stage. It may have been okay, but it was a slight remember that the league might not take head injuries as seriously as you would expect. And that's from Scott Trotter from football. London. And I'll go to you, Craig, because this is something that I really wanted to talk about concussions. It's serious. Okay. What, what I watched there and I watched Alfie Moss and I was very concerned for him. And, uh, I was actually watching this, thinking he can't come right back on, but he came right back on. So I want to get your thoughts of how this all played out at St. James's Park.
3: Well, I, you know, he had two incidents, right? So he was punched in the face by yes. by, by Rico on a punch, and then he also clashed heads. Um, and I thought that the incident that you described, where you know he was lying prone for a few seconds, and then later on is is, is complaining about having to be sent to the sidelines um, what was interesting was that there was a guy in the row behind me um, who was complaining about Mosson being six foot four not having a uh, passion for the team and and, and and being laid out and I thought that was a fairly remarkable uh, thing to be saying I mean the guy had just had a concussion. Um, or near concussion. And, right, we don't and know, there was but, almost right. no checks and, they, and he came and he wanted to come right back out on the pitch. Right. It did strike me as being a little strange in this day and age that there was, as near as I can tell, no medical check of him. And when the incident happened, he was, he was flat and not moving for at least, I don't know, five or 10 seconds. And so it is. That's it what concerned me, to me, right? Yes. It does seem to me that, uh, that, um, Premiership is a little bit behind, you know, the NHL or even, God forbid, the NFL in, in how they and how they deal with these issues. And um, but it was, it was, a, they, they look like pretty, pretty violent events. Um they not did, deliberate, no dirty play, no. but it's just one of those things.
2: Right, but you know, again, I'm trying to take off my Fulham hat here and think of Alfie Mawson as a person because he's a person first, okay. And when I saw that, I was actually very concerned for him just because of the history with what we're learning about concussions. And the fact that he went right back on just it again, the entire match, I kept thinking about it was that the right decision? And I think the Premier League needs to do more than what is being done. It actually is a very shocking reminder that, again, more needs to be done when it comes to head trauma in these matches, and it needs to be taken more seriously. And I want Alfie Mawson to play for Fulman, be a great player, but I don't want to see him deal with something that could be extremely serious if it can be treated at the time. That's where I'm coming from, Craig. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, it does. And the, the fan who was complaining about Alfie Mawson's passion for the team uh, you know, should should be ashamed of himself, the guy who was behind me and, and, uh, and being quite vocal about it. But look, I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think we've had, you know, the, what happens is that these incidents they get publicized. You have, you have players who end up having dementia at an early age, and then, and then the public gets sensitized, and that's what happened in the NFL. Yep. Uh, that's probably happened a bit in the NHL. It hasn't happened in the in the Premier League or really in European football overall. And until that starts to come through, um, these incidents will continue. It does not seem to me that there is any proper protocol.
2: That's what concerns me, and Giannis, I want to go to you because uh, I was thinking about this during the match. I read Scott's article. I'm like, we have to talk about this because it bothered me watching it, and again, we got a good view of this from the uh, broadcast, and I'm like, oh, this does not look good. This does not look good at all, and then he comes right back in. What is your view on this?
4: Yeah, it worried me. I mean, he he got – I think that the speed at which – Rico called the trainers on would intimate I think he was he passed out even before he'd hit the ground. Right. And and, you to, That's and it, you're what absolutely you right. Yeah, it looked like. And you're right, this side of the pond, whether it's baseball, NHL, um, hockey, the very strict concussion rules in terms of what to do, he should have um he should have gone off and I believe he should have stayed off. You know, I think it's head trauma. Is is under, is still underestimated over in Europe. Um, it's it, you know a concussion is an injury to the brain, and um, to me it can have serious consequences. I just think think it was I think it was Jeff Astle, the former West behind England player that um, died, that, and it's claimed because of the, the weight of the balls they were playing in, in the fifties and sixties that created head trauma that led to yeah. dementia and what have you. But um, it was clear that he was he was suffering with a problem. And I think that the the FA needs to take a very close look at this.
2: Absolutely, they totally do, Giannis, because this shouldn't be the decision of Alfie Moss. And of course, he wants to play, but there has to be some kind of checks being done to make sure he can go back in and play. Say what you want yep. about the NFL; they've done a lot better recently with it. And I think this is what needs to happen because you don't know what can happen. And listen here. It ended Taylor Twelman's career with the New England Revolution because of concussions. It's serious. He actually speaks out about it, and I agree with Taylor. As someone that watched Taylor's career, and then I see something happen, you know, again, he it ended his career. And I'm looking at Alfie Moss and his career in front of him, and I'm thinking about him as a person, and I'm thinking something has to change here. And that's why I hope you guys don't mind me spending a few minutes talking about Moss and – and this has nothing to do with his commitment. This has to do with his brain and his well-being. And uh, I just, you know, again, I agree with you, Giannis, your sentiment on this. Max, over to you, your thoughts.
0: Yeah, I mean, you guys really touched on, uh, I think, everything I, I was uh, going to say. It was uh, really worrying to see. And, 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 of course, the player should never make the, the decision.
2: No, he should not.
0: Every, every player is going to want to go back in, no matter what level of the game you're at. And that doesn't that's have to be distance from, passion and, and, and really the whole match itself and really from the medical standpoint, because it's not about just the 90 minutes in the grand scheme of things. It's about the health of the player. Right. 15, 20 years down the line. Um And I, I, I agree with Craigie. We we should see stricter protocols, uh, a really prominent voice for concussion protocols uh, in the States is Taylor Twelman. Uh, I just the mentioned, MLS right. Player, exactly. exactly. Who uh his career had to be, unfortunately ended uh, prematurely due to concussion problems. And I'm sure he, was very worried by the events of yesterday, and we need definitely stricter protocols. Um, because it's not just a player on Fulham, player on Newcastle, it's every player's at risk. Uh,
2: for exactly, it, it's not that it's a Fulham player, it's a player in general. It could have happened to a Newcastle player, and I'd be feeling the exact same way because I care about these players as people. I look at them as a person, and like I said, I could take off my, my Fulham allegiance here and say. I don't think he should have continued, like Yana said, because there needed to be more tests done and he goes right back in and I just that worried me the rest of the match. It what I saw with him laying down there just said there's something not right here. And like Yana said earlier, when you have Rico alerting the medical staff right away, you know, and again I'm not blaming the medical staff for Fulham. I think this is a bigger picture issue with the FA, like you said Giannis, because they need to have stricter guidelines when it comes to this to take it you know to to have maybe an independent doctor look at these players like they do in the n f l what what are your thoughts about that? am i wrong
4: no no, absolutely not i mean it's it's um I'm just trying to think i mean again I'm going to use hockey analogies um concussions tend to be fairly big over head shots, elbow shots yeah, heads into the board and what have you. And um, you cannot take risks with your melon. And I'll give you an example. Yep. You know, in my day job, if any, and you know, if any student sustains a concussion, concussion rather in um, performance or otherwise, there's a five-step uh, procedure. And the first step actually involves um, a student going to the doctor and filling out part one of the form and outlining the restrictions and accommodations required for them to come. Back to school, going to class, or even do any sort of movement. And any of us who've had concussions will know it's it's often second to second, minute to minute, day to day. And uh, the force of which Rico hit him, and him going down, he's obviously got a major problem. He's got to get off the field. He cannot play another second. It's and I feel that uh, whether it was Alfie or any other player in the world, yeah. And so I agree me with that. To me, it's it, it, um. It's. I don't. You remember this Russ, a few years ago, um, as we're both football fans. Um, uh, Robert RG three. Yes. Um, was I think it was NFC final when he was injured, clearly injured, in a lot of distress, and yet he was allowed to carry on out there, and it ruined his career. You can't take chances with your body, especially your melon. Absolutely, couldn't agree more, Giannis. That's why.
2: Uh, I wanted to spend a little time on this. I know we have, and and I'm glad that we have. When I saw the article and I was thinking about it from the match, I knew this is something that I think needs to be talked about because I don't think it's talked about enough. And uh, I was really concerned about Alfie Moss, and I'm still concerned about him. I don't doubt his commitment to Fulham Football Club at all. This isn't about that. This is about Alfie Moss and the person for me, so – I'm glad that you guys uh shared your views on it i wanted to talk about this on cottage talk all right let's move on let's now get back to talking about football and go to the second half and this is a very interesting second half and it started with you know with an opportunity for foam in the 46th minute with the shop. then later on in the seventy fourth minute you have the uh the header by char that goes over the bar that that's for Newcastle United. Then we have the situation, the 77th minute. And, Craig, I know you were far away, so you did not get a good view of the uh, penalty claim for Newcastle United with uh, Joe Bryan on Kennedy. So uh, so, so we'll take it from here on that. So we talked about this yesterday. Giannis, have you changed your view on this? You said it wasn't a penalty. Do you still agree with that?
4: Yeah, I do. I don't believe it was a penalty, but I, I have seen – Refs that have given it. Um, it, it was to me. Although Brian's wrong side, it's, it looks soft. But do we get the most consistent refereeing anyway in the Premier League? Often we don't. And as I said, if if he had given it, I'd have been annoyed. But I don't think I'd have been surprised. Um, that and I and I think I actually think he had a really he, he had a real think about this, and that's why the the Metro decision later on was um i think given the way it is because if he looks back at the replay he's going to realize oh lord i really i really gave newcastle a gift there
2: yeah very good there and uh let me just move on a little bit further in the 79th minute you have the i guess you could say shot from brian Thought that was more of a pass and uh kamara was just didn't get to him and then uh then a little bit later you have uh the situation with Mitro and uh, Max, I'll go to you because remember you, you wanted to talk about this. What were your thoughts when you saw Mitro and the goalkeeper going at in, in the 87th minute?
0: Ooh, I, I thought Mitro had his perfect return this in James Park. <laughs> Imagine that in front of, you know, all, all those fans and it's going to scrap this goal imaginable. Oh, he was so close as well. I think if you look at the replay, Dubrovka has no idea what he's doing. He's just hoping for a miracle because Mitro's uh, bearing down him and, and they're square. De Bruffa does not have the ball yep. in a position to move it side to side. And Mitro actually, I think, gets a faint touch on the ball, but actually just ricochets right off the foot and luckily out of danger for the Newcastle keeper. Any couple inches to the right, a, a little bit of a different connection from Mitro, and that's of Fulham, I and that's possibly the, uh, the scrappiest win we've had in a while, possibly since Middlesbrough away. Um, but, but it wasn't to be. Yep. But it really, I think that, for me, uh, kind of disdainting dis- itself just from the initial moment shows yep. the commitment of Mitrovic. And, you know, yep. we've seen Ranieri substitute him at halftime at Old Trafford, which is probably unthinkable uh, under Slovisa. But I think he's challenging Mitro, saying, listen, you have to prove to me that you deserve this spot. Yep. And Mitro's effort, his running, his pressing, has almost gone to prove all the doubt is wrong. Because a lot of people said when Ranieri came in, Mitro's not enough uh, of a, a versatile striker. He's not mobile. You know, he, he doesn't play that counterattack and pressing style that Ranieri wants. And yesterday at St. James' Park, he did that to a T, I think, and yep. he deserves real credit for that.
2: Okay, very good. Okay. Right back to you. We talked about this on full time, just like we talked about the other controversial moment. Have you changed your mind on the Metro situation? Was that a penalty? it's oh,
0: it's it, it's tough. It it's it's tough because I, I think he sticks out the elbow and and I and I do personally it's a penalty, but I think it's more border borderline than perhaps some are saying that that's hard to give, I think, for the referee. That's a big decision to make. Um, I, I think, honestly, he got it wrong, but I can see where he's coming from because it was really the elbow. It wasn't necessarily an outstretched hand, which might make it more obvious to the naked eye. It was an elbow, and the hand itself was tucked into the body. So for a referee to see that in a split second, that's difficult to call, but I, I do think he probably should have called that as a penalty.
2: Okay, and just to, I want to mention this. On BBC Match of the Day, Alan Scherer, Agreed with us that the Brian situation was not a penalty, and that the Metro situation was, well, and that Newcastle. to me, just think about it. Again, he is a former Newcastle player, legend, and he actually agreed with us from what we said on full time. I found that fascinating when I when I watched that. So, uh, so I think that kind of backs how I felt about it, because you know, if Alan Shearer feels the same way, I I, I think I feel pretty good about my my feelings on those two situations and Craig I want to go to you I want to get your overall view of the second half in just a second but I want to go to the very end of the match in stoppage time just through your eyes when you watch this Kamara has well, this look, opportunity at, at the very end
3: what did you well, say K- well Kamara had two opportunities at the very end uh, yes, one he did. was best to to um Dmitrovich and the second one sure. LaSalle uh, managed to, to edge the ball away from him I mean, it would have been great to have, you know, effectively. As I think it would have been a little bit of daylight robbery—not not that we deserve to lose—but I don't know whether we really outplayed Newcastle in order to win. But you know, Kamara does not inspire a tremendous amount of confidence that he can—that um, he can—that he can finish. I know he he did have the goals against uh, Leicester, but overall, I think um, uh, I, I think his play is very erratic, and that technically he's a he's a fairly limited player. And so the fans were excited, but. Um, but it was fairly short lived What I would say overall, you know, talking yeah. about the second half yes yeah, so um, overall some, some some of you have have commented about you know the atmosphere the new Newcastle fans, I have to say the atmosphere from the home fans was pretty understated um and several times throughout the match. Uh, we were singing songs to mock the fact that there was so little atmosphere coming from from the home fans. Very little singing, very little chanting, very little yelling, except on occasion when there was a, a sort of a borderline exciting moment. Um, and it was actually quite a subdued atmosphere, uh, especially from the home fans. The away support was was in full song as usual, yep. but I was surprised how little engagement there was from the home fans, yes, Mitrovic was booed a little bit when he got the first couple of touches, but even those boos felt more pro forma uh, than, 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 than lustily felt hatred and enmity that sometimes you experience uh, when you go to away matches. I mean, one of the great part, aspects of a, going to away match is the fact that you, know, you're, you feel like a beleaguered minority. In a very hostile environment, yesterday did not feel like a hostile environment for for us
2: wow that 's very interesting, and just overall, Craig, as the match ended what what was going through your mind after watching that second half? Did, did you feel well, that uh, the result was just
3: yeah, first, I had to get to the train station because I <laughs> all the way around the station to the train station now look i think um I think the re- the result was just i think uh you know it was a fairly uninspiring game, not much creativity, not many opportunities. Sure, one team could have scored some, but but at the end of the day, a draw was a fairly um, uh, just outcome. Yep. I think it is encouraging that Fulham that F- maintained a clean sheet for the first time. The question is whether we can build on it. I actually don't think this setup and style is going to be sustainable throughout the whole season. Because when you set up your, when you set yourself up in that way, at some point teams will will then just figure out a new way to get through us. They had figured out how to get through us before, sure. and they will adjust accordingly. And we do not have, I don't think, talent even defensively to maintain that sort of posture throughout the season. But it was good to see that we we, we had good shape that there there weren't very many holes and some of there've been an alarming gaps yep. and I I didn't you know sitting from uh, the nosebleed seats uh, I didn't see I didn't see a lot of gaps for Rondón or anybody else in Newcastle to run into right um and so I think that is fairly encouraging we have an Italian manager who's getting us organized
2: absolutely and I like what you said there, Craig. You don't think it's sustainable throughout the rest of the season. I, I'll just go right back to you, and then I'll ask ask the guys their thoughts of the second half and overall. I see where you're going on that. But against certain opponents, I think they could do this again.
3: Oh, sure, sure. I'm not saying that we can't use it. But, uh, look, I, I, I don't think the front three worked properly um, yep. at all. Um and so, sure, you know, we can have a back seven that's more or less that's more or less appropriate. But that front three can't stay the, the same way it is. Um, even though they maybe are three best players who are forwards, I don't think that combination in that setup really works properly.
2: Do you think Cessnyan would have made a difference
3: if he was available? Absolutely. We, needed, we, had no count, we had no speed on the counterattack. If you're right. going to play like this, you need to have pace on the counterattack. Right. Sessegnon, I, I, I hope, could, could be an element in that. And actually, I, I actually think Vieto could also be constructed there. I don't think Kearney or Sherwa had particularly good games. And Mitrovic spent most of the game fairly isolated.
4: Okay, very good.
2: All right, Giannis, over to you. Just your overall
3: view of the second half. And also,
2: give me your man of the match.
4: I think it was more the same second half. We, we, you know, they struggled to break us down. The longer the game went on, the fans were getting more frustrated. And as I said earlier, Rafa was having his cow on the sidelines. You know, and uh, the effort they put in, you know, exemplified by a number of uh, players collapsing on the pitch. Um, man of the match, oh dear, oh dear. Um, I, I'm actually going to give it to Mitrovic. I thought, I thought he covered every blade of grass, even though he was and he was so isolated. He worked so hard. Um, he, he, if he'd scored that goal with, with, that, with that issue with Dubravka, um, <laughs> well, wow, that would have been a turning point. There were a lot of players that actually had better games. I thought, I thought the back four played pretty well. I thought Rico played well. Chambers worked hard. Seri was better than he's been for a while. Um, but for me, it was just Mitro who just gave it just gave it everything he's um you know he showed he, he showed the value of real hard work and knew he wasn 't going to get many sniffs and he kept on going overall though i think i think uh the team performance is the you know man yeah. of the match is one thing with the team performance was something where you've got we 've got to applaud the, you know their the application and their commitment and their um um in terms of, I'm thinking, I'm having I'm of being a genetic senior moment here, but the discipline, the <laughs> right. discipline was better. I like the discipline, I did, you know. Um, yeah, I thought the discipline was very good yesterday, so. A well-earned point for sure. Well, I look at it this way, Yanis, and then I'll go to Max.
2: It's a platform, a foundation moving forward. Craig could totally be right that this might not be the formation we can use all the time, but. The defensive performance is something that you can build on, regardless of uh, the formation that he decides to use. It's the commitment, and we saw that. They have the ability to do this, and that, to me, is a huge thing to take out of this match. Max, over to you. Just your overall thoughts on the second half and man of the match.
0: Yeah, I mean, the most shocking thing for me was the clean sheet. I mean, I, I imagine last week, right? West Ham United imagine how fragile we looked in that match. They had two shots on target the entire first half. We conceded two goals, right? Contrast this to how we played yesterday. We don't concede at all. I mean, sure, they didn't have any shots on target, but our defense actually played like a Premier League defense for the first yep. time all season, which is which is remarkable to think about because that's why I think some of people are treating this, myself included, as a positive result, even though Newcastle are a very, very poor team because the clean sheet is just such a departure from what we've seen, right? Right. And that's my biggest takeaway, is that we can defend. As a right, couple. that's like
2: what I, I leave. Exactly,
0: yeah. This and match, that's why it's so right. hard to take uh, to take away a man of the match, as Giannis was saying, because it was a team performance. Okay. No one stood out, because I think everyone in that back five, everyone in, 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 the, in the entire 11, I think, did their role to perfection. Um, not to perfection, but did their role to, to, to a decent amount. So you and would
2: kind of I mean, give it to like a, just a team, yeah, man I mean, of the match. Yeah, or, may-
0: or maybe back six, I, I okay. back six including Rico and, and the back five. That's who I think was most impressive.
2: Okay, very good, Craig. Back over to you. I'm going to give you the final word. Do you have a man of the match, or do you see the direction that Max is going? That this is more of a a team commitment against Newcastle United. That's more man of the match. Should just be about the team, or just like like you said, the defensive part of the team.
3: Um. Look, I guess the man of the match would probably be, uh, for me, Mawson, because I do think that we were very well organized in the back, uh, notwithstanding the two uh, uh, knocks to the head that he took. Yep. But I, I would agree. I don't think that anybody stood out. I think it was more the organization uh, throughout, um, especially the back seven or even the back eight, including Rico, who, by the way, we haven't mentioned it, but... He did some pretty impressive punches. Yeah, he did. Leave aside If you leave aside the punch to uh, Mawson's <laughs> cheek, he punched the ball actually several times with one hand and two hand pretty effectively, and I think he marshalled the line very well. So, look, the back seven or back eight uh, impressed me as a unit. Yep. Uh, the front three uh, did not. Uh, we lost the ball quite a lot. Um, actually, so did Sari. Sarri lost the ball quite often as well. So we need to be a little bit better going forward and controlling the ball. But, um, look, it's a clean sheet. We we, yep. we played solidly. We didn't give anything up. And um, and now we have a big game against um, Wolves and Boxing Dame, and I will be there.
2: Oh, great. Well, that's great to hear. And uh, I just want to mention this. I'm glad that you mentioned Moss. Mawson did play well, and uh, I thought he played well. And uh, I don't want people not to think that I didn't think he played well because I was talking about the situation with concussions. He did play well but uh, I am just concerned. Just this is how I'm wired when it comes to injuries like that. I I worry about the actual person uh, and I'm sure others feel the same way. Like I do, you know, that, you know, these, uh, you know, these athletes, they're wonderful athletes, but, you know, I think we just need to pay a little bit more attention to uh, head trauma. And uh, uh, I hope that is the message that uh, gets across. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to mention it today in cottage talk, but Overall, when we talk about the football performance, and I'll just end by saying this, for me, this just showed what I was just mentioning, a foundation for something to build on for the future. Hopefully, you know, hopefully this is just the beginning stages of it and that we can take it from there and that the offensive qualities that this team has can then flourish once we have the defensive end taken care of. And uh, this is a completely different team from the one that we have with Savisa, where it was the other way around. Well, now I think uh, that the manager wants the defensive part of the game to be forefront, and then the offense will then come after that. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing. It's it's a starting point. So I see this as a very good first step for the rest of the season, I hope, for a full football club. All right, great show, guys. But let's wrap this up. For my co-host, Craig Coben. Max Cohen and Yash Ness. I'm Russ Cohen. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk.
1: Just because our parents are getting older doesn't mean they don't have lots to do. They might just need a little help. At Care.com, you'll find people who can take them to appointments and events, help pick up groceries and cook great meals. Whatever it is they like to do, the right caregiver can help. And since everyone at Care.com is background checked, you can be confident that you're getting support from someone you can trust. Find qualified local senior caregivers for your parents at care.com.
2: It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.